0: <laughs> some legends are told. Some turn to dust and to gold, but you. going to go forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And we are just a couple of weeks away from the NFL draft, and it's one of the biggest events of the offseason, and a lot of people are very excited for it. Um, maybe perhaps much more excited than Matt and I are, but we're going to break it down anyways and talk about some of the prospects that are supposedly being targeted by the Packers and that the mock draft folks think may fall to Green Bay. And also, uh, we'll break down the schedule, which came out last week, which to me is something I'm always much more excited about than the uh, draft, at least initially. And finally, uh, it dawned on me this week when researching some things about the draft that Ron Wolf, who's going into the Hall of Fame this year, had ten drafts with the Green Bay Packers. And Ted Thompson's tenth draft was actually last year. And believe it or not, Ron Wolf selected 96 players for the Packers, and to date, Ted Thompson has selected 95. So this seems like as good a time as any to break down the drafting prowess of the two famous general managers in Packers history. And uh, we'll have... Obviously an incomplete sample with some of the guys from 2014, but I thought that would be a fun debate to put a little forever in the emphasis of green and gold forever since the current draft stuff is readily available from all fronts right now. But we'll start by giving our two cents there, and the Packers picking 30th in this year's draft. And, Matt, before we get into it, um, I don't know about you, but I'm having a hard time getting that into the draft for some reason, and it could be just that... My, my interest has waned over the years by the fact that the Packers almost never are up front picking for one of the prominent players that you hear so much about.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think you and I might have different uh, enthusiasm levels for You seem to get really, really excited about the schedule, and I honestly care oh, less about that. And I know you do And to me it's, it's basically a non-event for me Like I don't look forward to it at all Where's the draft every year Even if we're picking 30th Or even if I know We're going to trade out To the second round I still really love sure. it So I'm, I'm pretty excited You're right You don't get one of those Top ten players ever mm. Um which is a little frustrating, but I guess you can't complain when you're winning. So I, it's always so intriguing to me to not only see who they pick, but who everybody
0: else Yeah, takes. and I love watching the draft. I think that's a fun event, and the NFL, again, is kind of beating everything into the ground a little bit. and uh, <laughs> The hoopla is a little bit too much, but I still really like the draft and the day of. But as far as doing my homework for it, I'm not in the...
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> that, true.
0: That just, I, I can't get into that at all, really.
1: It's it's impossible. I mean, especially we don't have contacts in every locker room in the NFL. As somebody like us, it's impossible to speculate. You know, who not only the Packers might take, but what everybody else might do. When you're at the 30th spot in the draft, there's really no possible way you can project what's going to happen that far back. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I, I guess uh, anybody who's listening, that's kind of the grain of salt with this. There's a great show right now called Caught in the Draft. And Bobby Beathard, the former great general manager of the Washington Redskins, was talking about Mel Kuyper, and he said he's not a very good talent evaluator, but he's a good information gatherer. And so I guess that's what we're going to be in this podcast, is a couple of information gatherers because – Neither of us are, are, talent evaluators. I'm still waiting for Ernest Shazer of Michigan to be the next Ronnie Lott, and Matt's still waiting for Cade McNown to be the next Steve Young. So, I, I don't think we're...
1: There's still time.
0: <laughs> what is he, only about 35 or so? Yep. He's got a couple of good years. That's, that's only a few years after Steve Young got started, so he, he, be, he'd be right, right on that track. <laughs> Alright, well, I wanted to start this off by kind of talking about some of the players that have been identified by the various mock drafts. For the Packers, and I've been scouring the internet for some, and I found a great article from Fox Sports that did a lot of this work for me, so uh, thank you to them for allowing us to uh, talk about your article, but these players have been uh, mentioned as guys who may go to the Packers with the first... Uh, with their first pick, which is number 30 overall uh, Stefan Anthony, the linebacker from Clemson Marcus Peters, the cornerback from Washington Was cited by two folks, including Todd McShay Jalen Collins, the cornerback from LSU Six people, he was the most commonly cited Pete Prisco and Mel Kuyper Jr. in one of his 48,000 mock drafts I think the most recent one, said Jalen Collins Eric Kendricks of UCLA, the linebacker uh, Four different people said that Kevin Jordan, the cornerback from Wake Forest Jordan Phillips, the de- defensive tackle from Oklahoma. Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle from Texas, was cited twice. Byron Jones, the corner from UConn, uh, cited twice. And all these people were kind of long shots that were mentioned. Eli Harold of Virginia, Shaq Thompson, linebacker of Washington. Both of those guys are pretty high on a lot of guys' lists, so I don't know how long they'll be uh, for the for the Packers. Eddie Goldman, the defensive tackle for Florida State. Mel Kuyper said he was a chance a couple of drafts back max williams the tight end of minnesota was kind of a long shot in one of mcshay's drafts and then um but narek mckinney the linebacker from mississippi state who uh in at least one of the draft magazines i read was the top rated uh outside linebacker Uh, mcshay had him as one of his draft choices so is there anybody else you'd like to throw on that list or anybody you want to comment on i guess
1: no i think you named pretty much everybody um yeah, I was just kind of looking over a few mock drafts myself, and I think most of them do say Jalen Collins. Um, I saw the one had a uh, the linebacker from TCU. Oh, um,
0: yeah, I don't remember his name either, but yeah,
1: <sighs> that was in. Uh, I think that might have been the Bleacher was that Report Paul one. Dawson, uh, maybe? Dawson yeah. sounds right. Yep. <clears throat> okay. So I, I mean really, and I'm looking over at Mike Bayok's top 100 prospects here, and it really looks around the time that the, the Packers are going to be picking that it's almost like loaded with what we need. So although we might not get, you know, the, the high value bottom of the first round pick like we want it seems like there's a lot of depth to choose from and i I do have a lot of trust in our scouting that we can hopefully pick the guy out of there there's a ton of linebackers d tackles uh corners so you think they could pretty much have their pick at that point
0: yeah and the thing that's concerning a little bit is that two of the guys that have been cited a lot and that i really like from just watching some youtube highlights is jalen collins of lsu and marcus peters of washington um, Collins is a big guy, which I think is good Especially there's some really big receivers in our division With Alshon Jeffrey <laughs> And you got Megatron, obviously And Marcus Peters, looking at the highlights Looks like a, a clone of the best days of Tremont Williams And yeah. that would be nice to have But both of these guys uh, Collins just breaking today About uh, some positive drug tests that he had had earlier Marcus Peters got in trouble with some sanctions at school Where he was missed half the season last year And yeah. so, you know... At 30, you can kind of take a chance, but if there's one team who is more reluctant than most to take those kind of chances, it's been the Packers. And so it'll be interesting to see, uh, A, if either of those guys are there at number 30, and B, if the Packers are willing to pull the trigger, for lack of a better term.
1: Well, right, I think not only is the front office inclined to not take
0: big risks on
1: their picks in the first round especially, but I think when you're a team that is so darn close to being right there, you don't want to take a guy that could potentially be a huge bust. If you take Marcus Peters and he can't get his act together and never plays yeah. for you. Whereas if you can find a piece that can at least come in and, you know, make a difference and help you win a couple of games, that's really what you need right now. So, you know, that's potentially short-sighted, but you're so close and the window isn't that big that you'd like to, it's nice to go for those high-risk, high-potential type guys, but you hate to miss on those badly when you really just need some depth.
0: Yeah, and like you said, that's a great point. There's been some, speculation uh, always with the packers this late in the first round that they might trade out of it and what you said was great is that there's so many guys that the, in the positions of need that there's got to be somebody in there even if, with the best player available philosophy there's got to be somebody in that front seven or in the secondary that you think would help your team <laughs> And so, I really hope that they do pick somebody, and I don't want them to reach on somebody they don't like, but at the same point, with the way the draft is structured now, there's nothing worse than watching five hours and then have your team trade out of the first round and you have to wait till tomorrow. (laughs) So from an entertainment standpoint, I hope they find somebody they like, and, uh, I would be shocked if they didn't. What would be Mm -hmm. your reaction if they signed, if they drafted Max Williams? The tight end.
1: Um, you know, really, if you're gonna go offensive, that's, you wanna take the Best player available. I don't see him on my, I'm looking through my top 100 for him right He's now. He's on Minnesota. Okay, number 58 on, um, oh,
0: 58. Okay.
1: on Mike May. Again, this is Mike Mayock.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, Does I it mention him being much, explosive on there?
1: <laughs> so, I mean, really, I, I was kind of thinking about this more today, and if you're going to draft offense, really, that's the only position of need you really have. I mean, you could, you could use depth along the line or maybe at receiver, but, um, you don't even desperately need a tight end right now, but if, you can find a playmaking one that helps the offense, but uh, I, I guess I wouldn't be upset. It'd be nice if he could come in and, and make some plays on the offense, but I'd really like to go defense.
0: Yeah, and I, w- I would be a little disappointed, I guess. You never know how good any of these guys are going to be, obviously, but to me, I feel like if you really think that the best player available at 30 is a tight end or a wide receiver, you know, unless something crazy happens like Melvin Gordon fell that far, or you just want to Go nuts and get somebody that could help out Eddie Lacy. I'm all for that, but a pass catcher, I would rather they just trade the pick if they think they can get one of these defensive tackles or corners that they want at 35 or at 38 or something like that. Uh, I'd be willing to wait for tomorrow. I just think that I don't. I, I know it's the best player available in philosophy, but at the same point, it's like. Why don't you get two of those defensive tackles or linebackers that you like rather than getting another tight end when you already have not enough spots of eligible receivers on the field for the number of talented pass catchers you have on the team?
1: Yeah, but at the same point, I mean, you've had this philosophy that other than Jermichael Finley, it hasn't worked to be taking tight ends late in the draft. It seems like we've been doing that every single year, taking one or two tight ends, and none of them have really been much. I mean, Richard Rodgers still has potential, yeah. so I don't want to write him off yet, but there's a whole bunch of other guys in a long list of those guys that have come in and have been okay yeah. and have, because we, we haven't been able to fill that with a playmaker. Mm-hmm. So if, if he is maybe that guy, and I don't know that much about him, I know he's played against the Badgers a little bit, but if he's that guy and he can make a big difference, you know maybe it's worth it so I, I wouldn't write it off yet but i i agree I, i'd much rather get an instant playmaker on defense
0: yeah than that. and i guess to the counterpoint of my point and kind of agreeing with what you just said they drafted jordy nelson when they were loaded at receiver and they drafted randall cobb when they were loaded at receiver so yeah. you know maybe if you really think this guy is that good maybe you take the chance but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see uh, he 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 reminds me just looking at him here a lot of Dave Casper and of uh, Rob Gronkowski you know that type of player. Okay, uh, we'll see. <laughs> Melvin Gordon, we mentioned him. Um, a lot of people are saying he might end up in Dallas, and I guess where do you think he'll end up? And I guess where do you hope he ends up if not on Green Bay, which probably will not happen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I can't see any scenario where he winds up for the Packers, but it seems like he's going to go first round for sure now, which is good for him. Um, I've kind of seen some swaps between him and Gurley for who might go first I today. That had Gurley going like top ten, Ooh. so I don't, I don't know if that's yeah. going to happen. But it seems like Gordon might go somewhere at the end of the first round. So a, a fit like maybe Dallas or I, I think San Diego lost Ryan Matthews as mm-hmm. well. So maybe a place like that. It'd be nice to get him out of the conference, but. Um, Man, he'd fit in nicely in Dallas, though, behind that offensive line. Can you imagine? Yeah. If if they were in a team competing with the Packers, I would maybe be rooting for that because I think it sets him up for success right away, and I think he'd do real well. Mm-hmm. So I I hate to see that fit because I think he'd be really good there. I'd like to see him maybe end up in like San Diego or something.
0: Yeah, San Diego would be my first choice. I, I have a feeling he's going to somehow wind up in Dallas. Uh, I just don't think people need running backs that much, and that's the kind of pick that Jerry Jones would love to have. Um, You know what, though? I think if he ended up in Dallas, I, I, I'm sure I would change my tune when he comes to Lambeau in December and busts off 240 yards, but I don't hate this incarnation of the Cowboys like I'm supposed to <laughs> as a Packer fan. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> You know, they got Romo, and, and really, outside it does Bryant, who really has not gotten in trouble. He's just kind of a, a loudmouth, but that's every receiver that's ever Existed, um, And Jason Garrett seems okay So I would be okay with him succeeding in Dallas, um, I suppose um, A couple of things that uh, sprang to mind that I wanted to talk about um, The the Chargers, for one, we'll start with that one And then I want to get into a little Badger discussion I have heard serious discussion on Mike and Mike in the morning And some of these other outlets Granted, it's been a few days, which in the lead-up to the draft is several months in a normal news cycle, but they were talking like the San Diego Chargers were considering shopping Phillip Rivers to the Titans, and they were talking like this was a slam-dunk move for the Titans, and that thoroughly confused me. Um, I I guess, I I don't want to taint your opinion of it, but I... I don't... That doesn't make any sense at all. Unless Tennessee just thinks that Marcus Mariota is terrible, why would you trade for a quarterback who's like 33 years old... you're not one player away you're tennessee you're like 14 players away from being a competitor right now and i i don't get that one at all i think you'd be better off drafting mariota and then trying to trade him next year or something if it didn't work out um this is not drew Brees where he was like 28 when he went to the new orleans saints philip rivers best days are either right now or behind him and you know what's the most you're going to get out of seven years and probably not many are going to be pro bowl caliber that like I said, unless you think Mariota is absolutely horrible, I don't know why you would trade for Philip Rivers and or just you know trade something else, get some other picks.
1: Well, I I think some of that might have to do with the fact that most uh, GM and coach tenures are only three years nowadays, and if they know they've got to win now, that might be the choice to make. Yeah. They can probably win, and hey, they may even, might even be a playoff team this year if they can get Philip Rivers. I don't think they're good enough for that, mm-hmm. but you, you've got probably a better chance than if you're starting Mariota right yeah. away. I agree that I, I think draft But um, and just to, I, I agree with you, but just to kinda of counterpoint you, you know, you get Phillip Rivers, you're a better team right now, and you probably even get some extra draft picks yeah. from it as well. So I guess that's the upside to that and your team needs all the help they can get. It's, uh, they haven't won in a while, so it'd be nice to maybe get a couple more wins under your belt every year. I don't know. It, it, to me, it seems better to take the younger guy when, like you said, Rivers is, by the time this team is built up around him, he's not going to be any good anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I don't, we'll see what happens. It would be one of the more bold moves we've ever seen yeah. uh, on the draft, but yeah. Uh,
1: well, it sounds like from San Diego's perspective is they don't have much of a choice because they're, it seems, for sure they're moving to LA at this point from everything I've heard and he's not going because he's a free agent after this year. Yeah. So, they, so they
0: want some it, value had, for him no matter what. They it. want
1: some value and Tennessee seems to be the best fit for that and he's willing to go there, I think. Yeah. So it at least then you you know, you get something at quarterback in replacement for that. So it, it, it kind of a weird situation there with the moving and everything.
0: Yeah, to me I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to me from San Diego's perspective. I just don't know why right. Tennessee <laughs> would be a willing partner for that. That just seems bizarre to me. Um, Real quick, while we're on the quarterbacks, uh, do you think, it sounds like a slam dunk that Jameis Winston is going to end up going number one at this point.
1: Yeah, and I know there's, there have been some recent metrics things that I've heard about that some people are now concerned a little bit if Tampa might be getting scared away from Winston. Um, I wish I remembered what website this was, but it was really cool, it would be something you'd be Uh into, where they they gave percentages based on just on-field metrics, so nothing off-the-field related, but They've rated like every quarterback over the last 15 years, and they give percentages for bust, average starter, or like excellent starter. And they've been accurate on almost everybody. The only ones they missed is they rated Peyton Manning a little too low, but but the rest they've gotten almost like all the busts right. I gotta find what website. But, it, yeah, so, like, for Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota had, like, a 50% chance to be an, uh, an average starter, like, 20% chance to be a bust, and, like, 30% to be an excellent starter. Okay. And I think Winston was, like, 65% bust. Ooh. So I, I've heard that a lot of these teams are using these advanced metri- metrics now. So, so if people think that maybe they may swing towards Mariota or even go... I'm sure it'll be... Uh, ...to kind of see if that has any effect on anything.
0: Yeah, um... Yeah, the advanced metrics are really taking off So it'll be interesting to see how that goes out Yeah, I would love to read that and I can see where they're coming from I I feel like uh, I saw more of Winston last year than I saw The year before, just because them being the defending National champions, they were on TV a lot more In this area, and He was much better in 2013 Than he was last year, but yeah, I always get concerned When guys are throwing interceptions In college, I mean yeah, and he threw a yeah, lot. Yeah, he threw a lot and people always talk about the the Brett Favre. Oh, he, he reminds me of Brett Favre. It's like, Well, if Brett Favre didn't throw fifty interceptions in college, he was still a pretty efficient quarterback. So and and even when Favre played, I mean guys in college threw interceptions more. I mean, I think Marino and had more interceptions and touchdowns his first year. So, you know or his <laughs> senior year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um I wonder if the Eagles will, will try to get down there. And apparently Tennessee, if they'll take Philip Rivers, holy cow, what will they do for Sam Bradford? Uh, so, you know, Tennessee <laughs> seems to, <laughs> I don't know, but it seems like if they're willing to trade for a 33, 34-year-old quarterback for that number two pick that all bets are off, they can negotiate with anybody. So uh, I hope something kind of cool happens, because that would make the draft that much more interesting.
1: Yeah, and, and- by the way, I think the last quarterback came, coming out that was, uh, compared to Brett Favre wasn't that JP Lossman? <laughs> and I did find that, uh, that metrics thing. It was, Football Outsiders uses it and they're, they compare it to what they think most of, apparently most of the good teams are using these metrics nowadays. Uh, so they have a comparative system to, to that. It has a 61.3%, per- Mariotis is 22.8, Brett Hundley's is only 30.3. So he might have a higher ups type the bus Ratio is really high.
0: For him. Okay. Uh, so, what is uh, like? Do they have like all the historical ones written? Like, what did they say about Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers or any of those guys? Does that have that?
1: They do here. I'm trying to look through it real quick as we're talking about it, and I, they don't have them just listed here in, in terms of numbers, unfortunately, on this website. Okay. But I might be some good we can talk about on the next show after the draft.
0: Yeah, and we'll link that story too, so people can uh, look through it if they want to, and uh, maybe some topics will come from that. All right, so the other thing I wanted to circle back to is we were talking about Melvin Gordon, where he's going to go. Um, I wanted to have a real quick Crossfire-esque debate as to who is the best post-Alvarez, not post-Alvarez, but Alvarez and later, so we're discounting Alan Amici, as the best running back in Badger history. And I think for the longest time it was a slam dunk on Ron Dane, and then the last couple of uh, recruiting classes, major recruiting Influxes with Monty Ball and now with uh, Melvin Gordon, it makes that a little bit more interesting of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, who you got? Um,
1: yeah, that's hard. I, I guess you'd,
0: I'd, I'd have to say
1: Rondane, right?
0: You would think so, but
1: I just because of the the sheer numbers. But I mean, at the same time, Ball and and Gordon. I guess I would put Ball ahead of Gordon. I think Gordon's a better NFL okay. prospect, but I I think I'd still have Ball ahead of him. But I think I'd put Rondane at the top of my list.
0: I Actually, for me, I would put Melvin Gordon ahead of Monty Ball easily. Okay. Um, because, I don't know, I just... Monte Ball was really solid, and he scored a lot, and he had a nose for the goal line, and he was much more effective in the passing game than Melvin Gordon is. But I don't know. I mean, Melvin Gordon's the closest thing that any of those guys have been to like what Adrian Peterson was or what Reggie Bush was. And I yeah. mean, they ran, In That's Iowa, true. they ran a two-minute offense running the ball with with Melvin Gordon. I, I remember just that he was in such a groove last year where they had like, I think that was in Iowa too, where they were at their back on the goal line. I'm like, gosh, we could really use an 85-yard run right now. And then, boom, next play, 85-yard run. Yeah. Um, it's been so long since we saw every game of Ron Dane, and the the college highlights are not as quite as accessible as the NFL ones are. But – um I I have a hard time imagining that Ron Dane was as explosive as Melvin Gordon. And now Gordon, he'd go stretches in the couple of quarters where he couldn't get anything done, and it felt like Ron Dane was just a hammer that always would just always be going. Six yards every time, no matter what. And so I don't think Melvin Gordon was ever that, but I think that Ron Dane and his most explosive didn't approach uh, how well Melvin Gordon played in November of last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they're, they're all very different style, so it's, it's really hard to compare them, but I guess if you're just, yeah, you look at the numbers that I, I think that the offensive line that they have now may be better than the one that Ron Dane ran behind. I know they still had some good NFL guys back then, mm-hmm. but, oh man, I, that's a really good question. I think with all the records, they, well, they all set records, yeah. so it's, <laughs> I, I was gonna say Ron Dane set the, the yardage but Ball set the touchdown records, and, and Gordon set up a bunch of records himself last year, too. So it, that's, a, that's a really difficult question.
0: Yeah, and uh, Ron Dana I was just looking at it real quick. He had a 2,100-yard season as a freshman, then 1,400, then 1,500, then 2,000 the year he won the Heisman, 71 TDs. He's just like Melvin Gordon. He only caught 31 passes in his entire career at uh, Wisconsin. And now I'm going to try to get uh, Melvin Gordon up real quick. And so Melvin Gordon didn't do anything his first year. So then he had uh, 621 yards in 2012, but that was on 61 carries. So it was 10 yards a carry. And then 2013, 1,600 yards, 7.8 yards an attempt. And then last year was 2,587 yards, 29 touchdowns, 7.5 yards an attempt. Holy cow. Um, So I know it was a little bit different because defenses are looser now because they... The Big Ten, when Ron Dane was playing here, was eight in the box all the time. You know, nobody threw very much. So, man, it, it might be a draw, but I, I I, could take an argument for either one. Yeah, you yeah. definitely could. Okay, so it's decided. PJ Hill is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we have anything else to, to add about the draft? Uh, Storylines that you're watching for, since you are a little bit more engrossed in this than I am?
1: No, I. I there's really not a whole lot of players that catch my attention in the draft it's in the first round. I mean, obviously the quarterbacks are the big story, but it'll be. I always kind of like to see where that second layer of quarterbacks all go because they all have a potential to, to start right away or to play quite a bit, but they don't have the fanfare. So you've got uh, Garrett Grayson and Brett Hundley and guys like that. that I, I'm always curious to see where those guys go. I don't know, just the football nerd in me likes to see those guys in an NFL uniform and see if they can do anything.
0: Yeah, that's always the most fun because, like it or not, the quarterback is always the most... Uh, you know prominent of the Player on any football team and so Really when I'm thinking about the draft as much As you like to get the stud defensive tackle And cornerback everybody wants to See Melvin Gordon and they want to see Jameis Winston And they want to see the hot wide receivers And they want to see Todd Gurley that's That's who you're really looking to see and those yeah. Are the guys who really uh, Pique your interest when they're getting drafted um, It was funny I, I have a, a draft magazine and it kind of Breaks down like the top 20 of Each uh, position and they had a guy from prairie view a&m named jerry lovelock and the pros were he has okay he's got arm strength and then his cons were competition level can't read coverages looked out of place fumble snaps passes are off target no fundamentals and uh regressed senior year i'm like why do you even have him in the magazine if you think he's yeah. just terrible Some of the reviews in here are quite scathing. I thought that was kind of funny. All right, speaking of scathing reviews, which of the Packers' beloved GMs is going to get one from either me and Matt? So we're going to break down that right after this. All right, and now we're back for the second half of Green and Gold Forever. And Matt, I used Fall Out Boy's "Centuries" at the beginning of this podcast just because that, even when I hear it on the radio, it makes me want to watch college football so bad (laughs) after (laughs) last year. But uh, do you know what's going to be the song for the draft this year? Um, Because last year they used that L.O. Black "The Man" song, and it just was
1: boring to my. First of all, those. Those college football preview things were awesome. It was like the two-tone color things with, yeah. the, with that song. Those were really good. Yeah,
0: and I'm uh, not a Fallout Boy fan at all. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but see, when I hear yeah. that song, I get so pumped. I just want to watch football so bad.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't think of hear that song without thinking of college football. But no, I don't know what the the draft song is yeah, this year. Well,
0: I'm sure you'll never be able to forget it after <laughs> watching a few days of coverage. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. One really stupid <laughs> draft thing we can talk about before we get into the Thompson versus Wolf. I'm sure we've talked about it on one of the previous Screen and Go Forevers. This is actually the fourth draft that we've covered on this podcast, which is hard to believe. Oh. What mm-hmm. do you think of the coverage now versus the coverage when we were growing up with the Saturday-Sunday? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh,
1: I really kind of liked what we had growing up with the uh, – Waking up on Saturday and watching just all day long, and now by the time the weekend rolls around, it's just the late-round picks, and other than waiting till the Packers' name scrolls around, it's kind of boring. Um, but the Thursday night thing is kind of cool, too. So, I, I guess I miss my weekend thing, but I'm not complaining too much about how it is now. I think that's kind of fun that you could just cram that first round into the first night. Um, they mo- speed it up a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice. I do kind of miss having the whole Saturday, though, where you could just uh, – you know, just hang around and watch it all day and not have to go to work the next day and just focus all on that.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I missed the most about the Saturday is it made it a lot more fun to go to, like, Buffalo Wild Wings or something. And right. You kind yeah. of let loose a little bit and not have to worry about getting up the next day. But uh, I, I I do like the first round kind of having the showcase to some degree, or I'm coming around to it. But they need to start it sooner. I <laughs> It feels like the the last couple of years that if you're waiting for the Packers to pick at thirty or, or twenty eight or something like that, that it's practically midnight by the time they pick. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I'm misremembering that, but I, I wish they would get it going maybe at it's you know seven thirty Eastern or six thirty Central right. or something like that rather than, gosh, what do they start at seven or seven thirty something like that?
1: Yeah, it goes pretty long. Yeah,
0: so I'm sure they'll listen to our criticisms and they'll they'll. Well, I'm sure
1: they've heard it from other people, too. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous. It's, I mean, think about it if you're on the East Coast and just want to stay up to watch that. That's yeah. it's kind of lame. Well,
0: they don't seem to care about any of that stuff. The Minnesota Vikings opened the season at a 9.30 kickoff on Monday night, uh, so 9.30 Central. So if you're a Vikings fan in the Central Time Zone, you got to stay up till like, 1 a.m. to see the Vikings' home opener. I mean, season opener. Uh, yeah, I'm glad
1: we're in the, in the Central Time Zone, because it seems like... We're, we're at least in the middle of the extremes in most cases where the East Coast has either got to stay up really late or the West Coast watch games like right when they're waking up in the morning. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and that's nothing new I guess for the, for the East Coast folks. The original Monday Night Football started at 9 local time and I can't imagine, you know, somebody in the 70s staying up until 1 a.m. to watch the Browns and Jets or something. Okay, let's get to what we've been teasing for the whole podcast now, and that is, as I said in the intro, that Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson have about an equal number of picks that they have made so far in their Packers careers, and I thought now was as good a time as ever to break them down. And so what I've done is I've taken every single draft choice that either of them have made, which is almost 200, And I've assigned, since it is 200, and you know, this is not my day job, I added, uh, I did a 0 through 5. So here is quickly my descriptions of what 0 through 5 means. So a 0 is no value, somebody who didn't make the team or had an incredibly short career. A 1 is little value, basically a warm body who got some playing time, but uh, made no above average impact to the team. 2 is limited value, who's a spot starter, had some bright spots, but is otherwise inconsistent or not a great difference maker. Number three is a solid starter for a brief period of time, or in rare, rare cases, somebody who was really good for one season and then kind of dropped off. Four is a star player for a short period of time, three or four years, or a solid player for a very long time, if that makes sense. So it's kind of the the Sterling Sharp versus the Donald Driver kind of deal. And then number five is a star player for a long period of time. So I hope everybody has that. That's the criteria. And what I have here is I have it built in so that – I have an average for what each pick is, so it's, you know, the zero through five and then divided by the number of picks, uh, or, you know, all the rankings added together divided by the number of picks, so you get a number between zero and five, which is the average player drafted by each of these guys, and I have it set up so I can move people around and we can get a new average right here as we're talking. Nice. So rather than say what the total is now, I want to real quick fire through some of these and make sure that you are on the same page with me, because there's some that are really hard to judge on that kind of condensed scale. How does that sound?
1: Great, yeah, great, bring it up. Okay, on.
0: so we're going to, like an auctioneer real quick, blow through the zeros, and if anybody pops up that you think should be a one, uh, so made more than no impact, let me know, and then we'll talk about them. So auctioneer style, we have Bill Ferrario, Steve Warren, Anthony Lucas, Jerry Berry, Joey Jamison, Ron Moore, Eugene McCla- uh, McCaslin, Rondell Mealy, Dexter McNabb, Craig Heimberger, D. Miller, Scott Curry... Chris Aikens, Jonathan Brown, Roosevelt Blackman, Eddie Watson, Jermaine Smith, Anthony Hicks, Chris Miller, Gerald Soule, Ron Makata, Chris Darkins, Kyle Wachholtz, Jeff Miller, Jay Barker, Charlie Simmons, Jay Kearney, Ruffin Hamilton, Paul Duckworth, Tim Watson, Mark D'Anafrio, Orlando May, Christopher Holder, Shazan Bradley, Andrew Oberg, Brett Conway, Gabe Mazawa, Kurt Campbell, Craig Bragg, Marvy Underwood, Terrence Murphy, Dave Thompson, Ingle Martin, Corey Rogers, Clark Harris, David Clowney, Bruno Giacomini, Brian Brom, or J- er, Jamon Meredith, Lawrence Guy, Ricky Elmore, Caleb Schladerhalf, DJ Williams, BJ Coleman, Andrew Dacco Terrell Manning, Demetri Goodson, Kevin Dorsey, Charles Johnson, Jeff Janice, Jared Aberderis, Carl Bradford, Kyrie Thornton. Ugh. Those are all the zeros that have been drafted by the Packers wow. in the last 20, <laughs> 25 years. Anybody jumps out that you would dispute there.
1: Not really, I'll have to hear your ones But I mean, there was a couple of names that I could think on there That at least got a little bit of playing time But nobody that I would feel yeah. feel uh, worthy of putting in any effort to argue at all against
0: I, I figured you would think Chris Darkins was worth talking about but his whole stat line. <laughs> yeah, is I love
1: kick kick. for some reason. I think I just had some really cool cards or something with them on there. I'm not sure why. I
0: yeah, and I always. remember... But him. I don't know. I
1: just thought of like uh, like a guy like Breno Giacomini, who played a little bit at least. I mean, he he ended up starting elsewhere, I guess.
0: But I'd, he sucked, and we didn't get anything for him when he left.
1: Yeah, yeah, so again, I'm not putting in an argument for any of those guys, but just the, I don't know, just the date.
0: And like that, just so. to mention, there's four guys on there from 2014, and so obviously there's going to be a little bit of a skew in this scale, but uh, Kyrie Thornton, Carl Bradford, Jared Aberderis have never yet appeared in an NFL game, and Dimitri Goodson and Jeff Janice did basically nothing when they did appear, so. They're going to improve as time goes on, hopefully. You know, you would think at least one or two of those five are going to become ones on this scale. So we'll just have to have them at zero for now and deal with it. Okay, so now the ones. We have Brett Collins... Bob kaberski, Paul Hutchins, Terry Mickens, LaShawn Johnson, John Michaels, Fred Vinson, Scott McGarahan, Damon Parker, Charles Lee, Torrance Marshall, Bao Zhu, Jamal Reynolds, JC Treder, Jonathan Franklin, Josh Boyd, Nate Palmer, Sam Barrington, Jeron McMillan, Derek Sherrod, Alex Green, DJ Smith, Ryan Taylor, Marshall Newhouse, Quinn Johnson, Brandon Underwood, Pat, Pat Lee, Jeremy Thompson, Brett Swain, Justin Harrell, Alan Barber, Deshaun Wynn, Abdul Hodge, Tony Maul, Junius Kassin, Michael Hawkins, Mike Montgomery, Jarrell Worthy, William Whitaker.
1: No, that sounds pretty good. I mean, there's definitely a few names that contributed more than some of the names on that list, mm-hmm. but uh, overall, I mean, nobody great. <laughs> nobody, I'd really feel I need to move up to two. so I think you're doing a great job so far. I have no big
0: arguments. Well, I appreciate that, sir. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Okay, so now let's move up to the twos, and this is when it starts to get a little bit trickier. So the twos we have, Travis Jervey, Matt Hasselbeck, Ty Detmer, Josh Bidwell, James Willis, Mark Burnell, uh, Gabe Wilkins, Darius Holland, Derek Mays, Corey Bradford, Aaron Brooks, Antoine Edwards, David Martin, Robert Ferguson, Brady Papinga, Johnny Jolly, Will Blackman, Jason Spitz, Richard Rogers, Corey Hall, Aaron Rouse, Brandon Jackson, Matt Flynn, Brad Jones, Jarius Wynn, C.J. Wilson, James Starks, Andrew Corliss, Devon House, Casey Hayward, Nick Perry, uh, Datone Jones and then Devonte Adams and HaHa ha Clinton Dix Mainly because of incomplete play
1: Sure yeah I think those last two will definitely have the Potential to move up beyond that list here but it's Kind of funny when you list off all those names They're all kind of the guys I associate in That same lump of guys already <laughs> yeah. Just like all these weird Packers that you forget about over time um, I guess the only Ones that I might say Something different would be some of those backup Quarterbacks that you have mm-hmm. because you really didn't they became good starters, but they didn't really produce at a two-level for the Packers. Yeah. So, and, and Hasselbeck, Brunell, and Detmer, um, they went on to do some things elsewhere, but they didn't, i I almost put... Was.
0: Yeah, and those are actually the ones I had highlighted. Um, I had all the backup quarterbacks. I also had Travis Jervie, who did almost nothing on offense, but was a pro bowler on special teams. Yeah, he was
1: a pro bowl special teamer, so that's something. Yeah, so...
0: Do you consider bumping him up to three? Because I originally had them him at a three, and then I bounced him down.
1: Um, uh, for, for value's sake, I don't. A special teamer, I don't think, really gets to the three level if he doesn't do anything
0: else. Okay, for you. and I'll agree with that. And so, I had all of the backup quarterbacks that Ron Wolf drafted. So here was kind of my idea with the two: is that if we're judging the general manager, I think he gets some credit for nailing four quality starters. In the draft, and I don't know if anybody else has done that. Um, Brunel and Hasselbeck, they got considerable back in trades. Um, So I am willing to say, and Detmer actually appeared in a game and almost won it, but then he got (laughs) injured. But I would definitely be okay with putting Aaron Brooks down as a one, but I think at least uh, Brunel and Hasselbeck should stay up for being able to be developed to the point where they were traded for really quite a bit and uh you know detmer left in free agency but he walked right on to become a starter the next season so um so what do you think brooks to one and then at least
1: go ahead i I would say if you're putting brooks to one you put detmer to one because brooks was a better starter than detmer was anywhere okay at least for a couple years in
0: yeah that's that's fair that's a good point so
1: so i i would say if, if you're gonna lump them together i'd say brooks and detmer to one and i'm i'm okay leaving hasselbeck and um and Bernal at twos. So
0: that's, that's fair because
1: they were really good
0: picks. Yeah, and, and they got something in return for them. So they so they yep. did get some value for the picks. Okay, so we'll go with that. And then Matt Flynn definitely feels like a fair two, I would think, right? Yep, yep. Okay. Um, The other only other one, uh, Andrew Corliss I was confused about. I would, didn't know if he should be a two or a three, but I thought him and David Martin have almost exact number of yardage. Yeah. So I think that's fair for them both to be two.
1: Yeah, he still feels like a two at this.
0: Point. Yeah. Uh, what about Richard Rogers? Is that too high for right now?
1: Uh, he's definitely lower than Corliss would be on that scale.
0: Yeah. And granted, there's not a lot of room on this scale, so there's going to be some people who are probably.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing. There's different levels of every category, but I, I, he's probably more of a one to me, but I I wouldn't argue that much either way. He's definitely a low two, higher one.
0: Okay. And I originally had him as a one, so maybe. Um, You know, I think that if Devontae Adams is a 2 And HaHa Clinton Dix is a 2 Then Richard Rodgers can't be a 2 at this point I think they vastly outplayed him last year
1: You mean they're 1's, right?
0: No, HaHa and Devontae Adams are a 2, sorry, right now And so I think Rodgers shouldn't be as high as those guys are rated Okay Because I think they played a lot better than he did in their rookie years
1: Yep, that's true
0: So we'll put Richard Rodgers down as a 1 here And also, while these are getting, uh, I I have to buy a little bit of time here so I can uh, change the the numbers on these, but it also is ranking the, the drafts overall. So at the end of this, we'll see which GM was better and also which drafts were the best drafts amongst these 20 drafts. So that'll be real exciting, won't it? All right. Okay, so now we're moving on to the threes. We have Doug Evans, George Teague, Wayne Simmons, Bill Schrader, Aaron Taylor, Adam Timmerman, Cletius Hunt, Mike McKenzie, Brian Williams, Craig Newsom, Keith McKenzie, Tyrone Williams, Ross Verber, Terrell Buckley, Vonnie Holiday, Niall Diggs, Darren College, A.J. Hawk, Desmond Bishop, James Jones, Michael Finley, David Bakhtiari, Morgan Burnett, Mike Neal, Brian Bulaga, Mike Daniels, Micah Hyde, Corey Lindsley. <laughs> and I know there's some that even I was – not sure about, and I moved three times, but, um, so is there anybody that comes out before I tell you the ones that I'm very concerned about?
1: <laughs> no, I'd like to hear those, because there's a few names that I was like, oh, it doesn't, I don't even know if I'd put them higher than some of the twos, like a guy like T Buck, I mean, he had a couple yeah. of good years, but he was better yeah. elsewhere. I, I guess maybe in, in terms of value, I don't know what, what they got back for him, or if he just walked in free agency.
0: I uh, he, he, he was traded, but also he led the team in interceptions. From 92 through 94
1: So yeah. that's
0: the reason I put him there He also was He was pretty brutal in punt return uh, game But he had as many interceptions as Leroy Butler In those three seasons Okay
1: I, I guess that was the one that stuck out um, Corey Lindsley, after only a year as a three Is,
0: is, yeah.
1: is, is one th- But I mean he was a heck of a year
0: First team all so pro vote is, is kind of why yeah, I put him that it, high
1: it's tough when you're you're kind of going on these guys that are younger like that, so it's yeah. hard to really place those ones when they just haven't done it for long enough. Yeah. But no, I'd I like to kind of hear the ones that you were.
0: Uh, Cledeus Hunt was the I originally had him as a two, and then I looked it up, and he in his five years with the team had more sacks than B.J. Raji has had in the last five years.
1: Yeah, I would. I I didn't even second guess that one. I think that's
0: okay. Fair. Um, the other one I was really um, uh, kind of toying with was Desmond Bishop. I thought he might be a 2 rather than a
1: 3. That one stood out to me, too. Yeah, he had a couple of good years, but injured a lot, and then kind of went elsewhere without really realizing potential, it felt like. Uh, yeah, that could go either way. I, I guess I'd lean towards a 2, okay. but three's not bad either.
0: Yeah, and so I try to do comparisons, so if he's a 3, then is Brian Williams also a 3, or is he maybe a 2 as well?
1: Yeah, Kind of similar guys, right? I mean, yeah. I... Different uh, athletic abilities, but really kind of short career with the Packers. Had some good impact while they were there. Helped win championships, yeah. but... Well, uh, Brian Williams yeah, here,
0: real quick, had 72 appearances for the Packers, 57 starts. Uh, f- so four picks, six sacks, but, you know, at least he got some value there with the 57 starts. Um, Desmond Bishop has 26 starts, 69 appearances, so... Uh, quite a few less starts, but almost the same number of game appearances. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, your hey, call.
1: You had a both his threes. I had said, both his right?
0: threes, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards Brian Williams being a better value pick than, than Desmond Bishop at this point, although he's a third rounder and Bishop's a sixth. Uh, just to make this easier, I just went pure player. I don't care when they were drafted. Sure. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that'd make that kind of impossible to, yeah. to rate them all. Yeah, I don't I I'd
1: say maybe Bishop's a two. I don't know. I have a hard time saying he's on the level of some of those other guys. Yeah,
0: it seems unfair to put him in the same uh, plane as A.J. Hawk, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's not fair. Yeah, so, okay, we'll, we'll bump him down to uh, a two. So just let me make that change quick. Okay, and then uh, I think I'm okay with pretty much everybody else. Darren College is one that's tough, but he yeah. started <laughs> a lot of games, and I, I feel like... He's kind of like the opposite of, uh, you know, he's maybe like Aaron Taylor, uh, as who I also have a three where they started a lot of games, was never very dominant at that position, but was never terrible most days. Um, and yeah, I don't know, I feel I feel okay with that there.
1: Yeah, he had some big gaps that make you think he was kind of a buffoon, but he was <laughs> he was an okay starter. I, we were everybody was kind of excited when he left, though. But yeah, uh, yeah that. That's yeah. He did start for a while. That's that's. I'm okay with the three there. Yeah,
0: and I think uh, the the only other one I had is Mike Daniels. Uh, I wasn't sure if he should be maybe a four, but then I think about it. It's been really short. He doesn't have any Pro Bowlers yeah. and I, or uh, Pro Bowls, and I feel like I know it's the other side of the ball, but he feels like a pretty good ba- balance to Ross Verba, who was very solid, highly regarded, uh, a solid starter, wasn't going to any Pro Bowlers, and played a short period of time. So I think that seems pretty fair.
1: Yeah, that's good for now. Maybe after next year it might be different. Punt.
0: Yeah. Okay, up to the twos, and there were some head-scratchers on this one, too.
1: Up to the fours, to you the mean?
0: fours, I'm sorry. We're going up from three to two. <laughs> okay, so we have Mark Chamura, Edgar Bennett, Robert Brooks, Earl Dotson, Dorsey Levins, Mike Flanagan, Darren Sharper, Mike Wall, Bubba Franks, Nick Collins, BJ Raji, Mason Crosby, TJ Lang, Randall Cobb, Eddie Lacy. Um, the ones, I will identify them right away. Earl Dotson was the one that was super hard to decide because... He was never a world beater by any means, but he was never that bad, and he appeared in 120 games, including 88 starts, and he started almost every game during the Brett Favre MVP years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm okay with that. He always kind of seemed like the guy you talked about that was struggling on the line, but he started forever, and he was a big part of that line for a long time.
0: Yeah, Um, so I I think I'm okay with him being a four. Yep. Uh, the reason Eddie Lacy's already a four is because he's one of the only Packers ever to have back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, and he's been to a Pro Bowl, so I thought that was fair to, after two years, say he's a four if he's a Pro Bowler. Sure. Um, TJ Lang, do you think that's too high?
1: Yeah, he's definitely a fringe guy there. But, I don't know, it, it, the, uh, the career's maybe been a little better than Dotson was at times. It's just obviously shorter at this point. Yeah. So if you're going to compare, I mean, that's maybe what you look at. I, I'm okay with it. I, he's a pretty solid starter, and he's been good. So it's he's he's definitely in the three fringe there, but uh, four is okay for that, I think.
0: Yeah, just looking at it real quick, he appeared in 91 games. Um, he started 66 games and all but one since 2011. And well, it says he didn't start any games in 2010, but I don't think that's right. It felt like he started quite a few, or at least was a major player on that line in 2010 because they had yeah. the injuries um and mike wall on the other hand 97 games um so almost the same number of games 83 starts and so if you say that cory lindsley was at least heavily in the rotation that gets him up to 78 so him and mike wall are almost clones there so I, I think i'm comfortable with that sure okay and then the fives we have antonio freeman marco rivera william henderson donald driver mark tausher kgb uh Kabir Bhajabiamilla for our new fans who maybe haven't been watching the, the Packers as long. Chad Clifton, Clay Matthews, Jordy Nelson, Josh Sitton, Greg Jennings, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's good. I.
1: You want to go through the, the just go through. I guess it's a short list. You want to just go through it one more sure. time.
0: Uh, Antonio Freeman, Marco Rivera, William Henderson, Donald Driver, Mark Tauscher, Kabir Bhajabiamilla, Chad Clifton, Clay Matthews, Jordy Nelson, Josh Sitton, Greg Jennings, Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, I can't uh, I can't argue with any of those. I think they're all better than the fours you had.
0: Yeah, and it, it feels like Aaron Rodgers skews the scale a lot because he's such a good five. Um, you yeah. Know, he's so much better than like uh, you know the, some of the linemen on there. You know, Clifton and Tauscher to me are easy because they started for a decade and they're yep. really high. They're definitely fives. Yeah, and, and Marco Rivera didn't start for a decade, but I didn't realize he went to three straight Pro Bowls from '02 to '04. He was in the Pro Bowl every yep. year, so I think that's fair. Um, I like Freeman, uh, and Driver and Jennings and Nelson all kind of balancing each other out as by far the four dominant receivers, uh, in the, the era of Packer football we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Sitton's been to Pro Bowls. Every single one of these guys has, has been, other than Tauscher, every single one of these guys has been to Pro Bowls and most of them have first team all pro seasons. So. Yeah. I think for that's sure. fair. And, yeah, it's kind of hard with, with Rodgers being a five. That was so hard. I almost wanted to make him a six, but. I felt like it was a fair balance that Ron Wolfe's first draft-related thing was trading a first-round draft choice to get Brett Favre, and he's getting no yep. credit for that here. So yep. <laughs> that seems fair. Okay, so let's take a look then at the final tally, if we agree on all of those. So here's how it breaks down. Wolfe had 96 picks. Thompson had 95 in 10 years. Uh, Ron Wolf has seven fives. Thompson has five fives. Wolf has nine fours. Thompson has six fours. Wolf has sixteen threes. Thompson has eleven threes. Wolf had twelve twos. Thompson had twenty twos. Wolf had fifteen ones. Thompson twenty-seven ones. So the grand totals here are Ron Wolf 1.65 per pick. So each pick, uh, at least being a contributor, approaching a spot starter, and Ted Thompson, a 1.57, so slightly lower, still getting contributions from just about everybody. Uh, they were tied when we first started talking about these picks. Uh, so uh, Wolf pulled ahead, and in this scale, I would say that's pretty considerable. Granted, this is a very quasi-scientific way to look at it, but what is your reaction to that? Do you think that's fair or not?
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think that some of Thompson's are going to get pulled down because all of Wolf's picks have run their course. Where Thompson still has some pending early timer guys that are going to be in the zero and ones that might end up higher. So, really, they're probably going to end up being even by the time it's all said and done. If if not, maybe a little edge to Thompson. Yeah, uh, I think it's fair. I mean, it's it's really hard to compare the different eras, but I think they. Have been kind of at the same plateau I mean if you ask me to pick one or the other I, Ron Wolf kind of has this legacy That he's you know he's the guy And he's he's kind of the ultimate Thompson's done has been really incredible Since he's been here too so it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's nice to have some statistics To go with the <laughs> argument because I have a hard time Making a choice between the two Yeah
0: for sure and to me if there's something That we're going to go at here I wouldn't say that this is The definitive study that proves that Ron Wolf is better Than Ted Thompson but um, but the thing to me that I found interesting is that Ted Thompson has got value from almost everybody. Uh, if you mm-hmm. look at that, only 26 of the 95 picks have been total waste, where Ron Wolfe had almost a third were a total waste. And so that tells me that he was much willing to go for broke for a player he wanted, even if it meant he would get yep. a bunch of guys that were no good, whereas Ted Thompson seems less willing to do that, and he just wants to accumulate good players and trust the team to develop them into great ones. Yep. Real quick, just to... Pull this back in and your argument About um, which is Correct about all of these outliers The guys who have unfinished uh, careers Let's say for instance that Mike Daniels since we have This interactive uh, spreadsheet here let's Say Mike Daniels becomes A all pro player so we'll say Mike Daniels Becomes a four let's say Haha ha Clinton Dix and Devontae Adams both become Twos or I mean uh, are twos and become threes which would make them as good as uh, You know, Mike Neal And uh, they'd be as good as Bonnie Holiday, I guess, which seems fair So we'll make them there, and then let's say Richard Rogers does continue to progress But not all that greatly above Corliss's level And he's a 2 So then all of a sudden, it's a 1.65 To a 1.61 So then it's much More close if the guys Who are on the team now continue on the trajectories They're on, so yep. It's about a tie.
1: One thing. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I, I don't know if you had to Oh, no, I was
1: going to say, is there any possible way that we can even post that on the site so our fans can play around with that? I maybe could ask you that off the air here. Yeah,
0: but. I think uh, I, I would love to, to share this, and then that way you can kind of just play around. They're all linked to Pro Football Reference, too, so if you want to compare stats, all you have to do is click on them. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll try my best to post that on the site. Uh, I don't know. Our site's pretty bare bones, so I don't know the capabilities necessarily.
1: Yeah, right. But uh, we'll
0: give it a try and uh, see if we can't do that. Uh, but first i have to i just better not save while we cuz i just moved a whole bunch of people here and i don't want to want to ruin anything but we'll uh, i'll i'll fix it off the air one thing i did want to say is that it's kind of interesting that ron wolf had so many trades and he got some total steals and then he got some terrible moves he traded matt lebouney straight up for eugene robinson in oh. 1996 which wow what is what are the seahawks thinking maybe they were in salary cap hell or something and then fred vinson who was Famously, the Packers got a second-round draft choice from Seattle As compensation for Mike Holmgren leaving with a year left on his contract They selected Fred Vinson, who wasn't very good at all And they ended up trading it back to Seattle a year later for Amon Green So, (laughs) great move by Ron Wolf. Awesome On the other end, he traded to Seattle Matt Hasselbeck And then swapped first-round draft choices And got a a fourth-rounder, I believe So, in the Hasselbeck trade... The Packers ended up getting Jamal Reynolds and Torrance Marshall, and Seattle ended up getting Matt Hasselbeck, and the pick that they got from Green Bay ended up being Steve Hutchinson. So not all wow. of his <laughs> trades were winners.
1: Yeah, that's, that's not great. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I'll try my best to make this available, and uh, like like I, we've said quite a few times, this is not supposed to mean the definitive that Wolf is better than Thompson, but it's very interesting to kind of play around and, and see the differences in the two styles and also kind of see the breakdown there. So... Um, so clearly, we've been uh, very lucky to have two really good GMs. And I don't know, if, if Ron Wolf's a Hall of Famer, then there's a pretty darn good argument that Ted Thompson should be in that conversation when he calls it quits.
1: Yeah, and and Ron Wolf obviously had the history before Green that's Bay, true. which was a little bit more than Thompson yeah. has at this point.
0: But um, Thompson is with, uh, part of Ron Wolf's history, too, you know, as a scout and things like that.
1: Yep, yeah, that's true. Um, but, I mean, being associated with those 70s Raider teams and stuff like Wolf is, that definitely helps beyond mm-hmm. two. Really good, like, all-time teams here for 90s Packers and 70s Raiders. So, sure. um, but does Ted Thompson yeah, get any be, credit for his tree?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, does Thompson get any credit for his tree? You know, John Schneider's on that. If if, if Bill Walsh gets credit for guys like Holmgren and all them, uh, is why doesn't uh, Ted Thompson get credit for having three current GMs and one that's just terrorizing the league right now?
1: Because one's Reggie McKenzie <laughs> Just <laughs> falling on his face in Oakland
0: well, That's fair enough Apparently he didn't take the philosophies Of the Packers to Oakland He just wanted to take the actual players So he just goes and gets James Jones <laughs> And got Matt Flynn for one start And yeah, that, that's a fair point Okay, so let's wrap this up here The Bucks and the Bulls are playing right now And uh, Matt, you've been into the Bucks playoff run A little bit here So do you think it'll end yeah. before this Podcast even airs.
1: Yeah, I think the series is done tonight here. But you never know. There's some magic in this Bucks team. It's just unfortunate they couldn't pull out that game three in the double overtime when they had a couple of game-winning chances. But yeah. um, they put in a good effort. It's kind of how these young teams always go, is they just make the playoffs and they put up a good fight, but they you can't win these, game, these series here. The so,
0: first round of the I think games. maybe
1: next year they'll have a chance to make a little bit of noise, maybe get to the second round.
0: Yeah, the first round of the NBA playoffs seems... Pointless in a lot of ways uh, It's
1: been okay in the past but this year Has been brutal I mean there's been so many sweeps And even in series that people expected to be close It's been pretty rough Yeah. Uh, this has been one of the better series and it's 3-1 <laughs> But it's actually been pretty good Yeah that's
0: true, all, all well they had the two really close games At the Bradley Center and the, the two ones At the United Center were close Until the fourth quarter mm-hmm. um, I know I always take everything To the dramatic extreme because it's easier To, to debate than talk about the You know, XOs of today but I wonder if this last two games at the Bradley Center will help the stadium effort for the Bucks, because there, there's been some excitement about the Bucs that, outside of that Hawks Game 6 a couple years ago when they almost won a playoff series, that I don't remember having in a long time in Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I think it helped that it's Chicago, too, because there definitely has been a lot of Bulls fans at the the stadium, but they even had the Let's Go Bulls chant yep. going at that game the other day, so... but. There, there's definitely a lot of excitement just because the team they have. I mean, it's not the team that was in the playoffs a couple of years ago with Monte Ellis and Brandon Jennings and JJ Redick, and everybody knew they were all gone. Yeah, that's true. And they're hard to get behind. I mean, this is a team of a lot of good young pieces they've built, and I think that's the main thing. So I think that it will help in the stadium, but it's mostly because they've done a nice job drafting.
0: Yeah, that's, those are some great points. And so this is, kind of feels like, yeah, it, gosh, there was a couple years there where it felt like, 10 of the 12 bucks were new every single year and you know it's it's hard <laughs> to to really rally behind that so yeah let's hopefully uh this will be the start of something exciting in wisconsin rather than the start of something awesome for seattle or or whoever gets the bucks after this but uh, mm-hmm. that's for a different podcast cream and hunter green forever or whatever the heck the new colors <laughs> to be. yeah
1: a little bit of blue in there <laughs> now too that's
0: <laughs> a great name for a podcast green and cream and a little bit of blue forever Okay, so the NFL draft is coming up on Thursday, so hopefully, um, I don't know when we're going to talk about it next, but uh, maybe a couple weeks we'll talk about all the new Packers that are coming into town, and hopefully we have some, uh, uh, I'm sure we'll have some guys that are exciting and, and, and whatnot, I, I really don't know how to, <laughs> to say that, there's going to be new guys no matter what, unless <laughs> Ted's going to trade away all of his picks for Philip Rivers perhaps possible we'll see alright for Matt in Altoona I am Eric in Appleton uh, thank you so much for listening uh, real quick I gotta get our plugs in here if you want to listen to the podcast and subscribe on iTunes uh, you can all you have to do is search Green and Gold Forever on iTunes in the podcast section uh, if you want have any feedback on uh, what has been talked about today or in previous episodes go to the Facebook page which is Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook otherwise you can send us an email at greenandgoldpodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at me at greengoldforever uh, that's the number four. Mainly, that's the avenue where you want to hear me rant during games. That's almost the only time I'm ever on Twitter. And uh, so uh, if that is something that for some reason you would find uh, interesting to do, you can do that. And real quick, it actually just occurred to me that uh, not only did we not talk about the schedule, uh, we did not talk about the top Wolf and Thompson drafts by rankings. Real quick, I will put the list of drafts on the website um, I don't know if I'll be able to do the spreadsheet, but I'll at least put this on here. According to our rankings that we discussed on here, the number one draft of either Thompson or Ron Wolf is 2009. Ted Thompson's draft that got Clay Matthews, BJ Raji, also TJ Lang. So that is no surprise. And number two is the 1995 draft. Ron Wolf's best draft that got Antonio Freeman, William Henderson, Craig Newsom was on top. And of course, the legendary Chris Darkins was also a part of that draft. In addition, if. Uh, We didn't get a chance to talk about the schedule, uh, but as you could see if you visited the website in the last couple of weeks, I've already said quite a bit on the schedule, uh, written an article about a whole bunch of different facts that you definitely do not need to know about this year's schedule. So if you want to know more about that, you can go to the website and view that. Uh, I would would suggest doing so, not only because I'm an egomaniac who wants you to read all my stuff, but uh, it also has got a little bit of fun facts involved with that. So uh, finally, this episode is going to come to an end. Uh, Hopefully we'll uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks with a recap of this week's draft. Take care, everyone.